In this segment, we like to interview innovative primary care and or health tech individuals to learn about them and their projects, how they may affect our patients, peers or profession, and understand their journey to help others with similar goals. Welcome to the EGP Learning interview. So today I'm here with Amon Aurora, um, GP based in the uh, middle of the UK, um, who's quite well known for a lot of his educational work that he does. Are you there, Amon? Hi, Adrian. Yeah, I am. Thanks. And how are you doing today? Very good. Very good. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to have a chat about what I'm very passionate about. Yeah. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, first of all. So I'm a GP in Birmingham. I've been a GP since 2010, and my main passion in life is medical education and just trying to push different ways of how we can educate GP trainees and GPs alike. So I have a couple of roles, mainly based on education, and that's kind of some of what I do. Okay. So what stimulated your, you know, your enjoyment of education and particularly with medical education? Uh, if I'm being honest, it wasn't something that I can say I've had since I was a little child. I suppose I didn't really think about medical education mm-hmm. until I was quite far into GP training. But it was probably the last three or four months of GP training when I started to, to really think about how um, I could try and influence the field that I'd been working within myself for the last few months. I was preparing for exams, obviously, in the final year of GP training, and I was just coming up with ideas and ways that I perhaps could um, do something a little bit different. And it was soon after becoming a GP that I started really looking at the route of medical education and how a career could become uh, possible in that field. And it's kind of since then, I'd say. So I've been a GP since 2010, so it's about six, seven years that I've been on this journey. And after you qualified, I mean, how did you find, you know, a lot of people talk about when GPs qualify, particularly as, you know, the, the categorization of first five and stuff. I mean, how did you, you feel at that point in, in terms of, you know, embarking on your career and, you know, what you were hoping to do? So initially, um, I sort of, the one route that I could see into medical education, which is becoming a trainer. Um, and I chatted to a couple of trainers, my own trainer and, and, and my, my TPDs at the time, um, and they suggested to try and build up a little bit of education on your portfolio and your CV so that when you come around to um, trying to become a trainer, you've, you've got a little bit of evidence there of, of what you can do. So within, I'd say, a, a couple of months of finishing training, we looked at um, setting up a, a very simple um, day course for a couple of our um, colleagues who are coming up to sort of CSA level and mm-hmm. probably do a, a bit of teaching just to get something on our CV. And I think the bug for education as a big thing started at that point. Um, and then from there on, it just sort of um, um, slowly grew. And it's probably the last couple of years where I really, really found my niche and put put all my sort of time and effort into it. So tell us about the, the past couple of years then. I mean, how would you summarize what you've been up to? So I'd say for the first four or five years, I was kind of a typical portfolio GP where our main role was um, seeing patients doing clinical work and then we were doing sort of side hobbies and ours was medical education. But I suppose in the last two years, um, it's kind of reversed and um, the bulk of my week now is, is a variety of roles in medical education and the clinical side has, has cut down. Um, and it's really since I started to see the possibilities within MedEd and also digital MedEd, which is which is my, my key passion, mm-hmm. um, that the last two years has, has kind of flourished and we've just been trying to explore new areas and new avenues of trying new things and uh, things have got from, from strength to strength, I suppose. Okay. And you talked about um, digital MedEd. I mean, I mean, tell us a little bit more about what you mean by digital MedEd and, and how that actually works. So I guess digital MedEd to me is any 
anything that anything that uses technology and there's there's a there's obviously a vast um, array of technology types and, and one thing we try to do is not limit ourselves to um, to one type in particular. So digital ed made to mean one way means using things like webinars or, or virtual type of courses where people can sit in their home and we can still interact on a on a one to one basis mm-hmm. uh, right through to social media method which is a, a completely different ball game and something that, that I've really enjoyed trying to push the boundary with and, and test mm-hmm. out. And so you mentioned social media method, and that's quite, you know, like I said, it's kind of like a niche, really. Um, what kind of experiences have you had with using social media for medical education, and any particular challenges that you found with it? Um, I suppose there's different challenges with different platforms. I mean, the first platform that we really pushed into, which is what I suppose what a lot of businesses try, is, is Facebook. And we've been doing Facebook medical education now for about three years, and initially it was sort of quite a tame version where we put the odd post now on a, on a page or a group. Um, whereas in the last year or so, we've, we've sort of looked into Facebook in, in in all the ways that it that it offers us. So, for example, we have our main Facebook groups where we put our daily image posts and, mm-hmm. and video posts. But we've tried some of the other things like Facebook Live sessions, which have gone down really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so many tools out there that, that are untapped, and it's just a matter of seeing which tools would work for a medical education audience. Something like Facebook Live has been has been um, uh, really interesting for us, and it's something that we're going to try and push going forward. Mm-hmm. But then social media obviously covers other things as well, and, and, and social media changes um, month to month almost. So mm-hmm. nowadays, uh, Instagram, you know, we're looking at that in a big way, and, mm-hmm. and we're getting a lot more work pushed on Instagram, and mainly image revision, and mm-hmm. um, trying to get some of the, the, the younger trainees who perhaps don't use Facebook so much to try the Instagram market. So. There's, there's challenges and, 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 and these are the kind of dates soon enough to look at the new, the new challenges as well. Okay. I mean, you talk about Instagram and, and particularly, uh, I mean, Instagram is the social media network that uses images as its main um, you know, format and things. And one of the things that I, I've really enjoyed seeing the work that you've done is particularly, you know, the, the images that you put out, you know, these short, sharp little ca- caption kind of things that talk about conditions and you know simple ways of either assessing them management and that kind of stuff um i mean can you tell us a little bit more about how you you, you create those and, and where the inspiration for that came from yeah so i mean uh, the inspiration uh, firstly came from acknowledging that people don't have time these days to do you know most things that they enjoy let alone revising and learning and keeping up to date in in general practice so um we started looking at some um, methods where people could learn almost without without realizing. So an image form of learning was something that um, hadn't really been looked at in a big way from, from what I could see. So the aim is that we create these images and we, I simply do it on my phone. It, there's a little app that I use where I can um, I have a couple of templates and then mm-hmm. um, I can put in a few key facts um, that I think are very relevant to general practice. Um, and then as people are looking through their feeds, they may not realize that they're, they may not be looking to learn something, but hopefully they read it. It's short, so it doesn't and bother them too many not spend too much time reading it and hopefully it sticks and um, one day when they need it in clinical life it'll just pop up in their mind as an image mm-hmm. um, and be there for them to use. I think when you read a lot of things a lot of people learn very well by reading and reading paragraphs and, of notes and, and, and teaching. Some people learn in images and that's the aim and the inspiration behind notes. Okay and so where do you see um, particularly use of social media and, and you know the, the digital side of things where do you see that going in terms of uh, what you've been doing and, and you know what you've got planned? So social media is, is 
you can't get comfortable and I think what's working today and what people are looking at today is going to be different tomorrow so for example now there's a lot of an emphasis on Snapchat and how you can use Snapchat in a education so we're looking into that at the moment um, social media I, I suppose there's a debate about whether you classify WhatsApp as social media but we're looking at WhatsApp a lot now in terms of education and we run various GP training groups for the exams um, we have about a thousand trainees on our WhatsApp groups now and we do daily revision through videos and little posts on that as well so it's just about um, keeping up with looking at trends looking at what people are using in their day-to-day life and then trying to introduce education in a subtle way into those as well and so the beauty about social media is that because there's so many platforms you'll always find one mm-hmm. that is comfortable with everyone and, and if we can put education across seven or eight different platforms then hopefully we can help educate uh, many people um, when they're realizing it or when they're not realizing it as well okay and I know you run these um, courses that you do, I mean, that's through the um, company that you run, is that correct? That's right, yeah, Aurora Medical Education. And how, and how does, you know, what you do online and, you know, the courses that you run, how do they dovetail together? Um, I suppose we started off like most medical education courses as a face-to-face um, type of teaching. We still run those, those will always be there, there will mm-hmm. always be a market for people who want to come and be educated at the time that they choose in a place that they choose so that's um, still the bulk of what we do but so we're really trying to push the boundaries in in, in reach and one of the things that we do is not just train um, GP trainees in the UK we've, we've trained GP trainees um, and doctors who are paying for exams abroad as well and one thing mm-hmm. anybody can target those is through um, online training so our webinars for example have started in the last year and, and we probably do eight to nine webinars per month mm-hmm. um, the benefit of those is that we can do them in the evenings and then people can be sitting at home and you know eating dinner and learning at the same time while still having that interaction element where they can ask questions and get their own queries answered. So that's something we're pushing in a big way in the, in the online space and then we've also just started our, our virtual courses so there's a couple of exams that we train for which involve role play and, and, and learning through consultation and that's obviously been a difficult thing to, to bring into the online space through webinars. So we now use them, for example, and we have five or six people all sitting at home on their own, um, seeing everyone in the room through Skype, seeing myself. We're running live role plays where everyone can watch each other, everyone can see what's happening, and we can give direct feedback. Just as if we're all sitting in a room mm-hmm. um, in a hotel, um, we're trying that space as well. So we have, we have the webinar space and we have the virtual course space. And we're trying to push both as well. Wow, I mean, particularly that virtual um, space method that you talked about sounds really different. Actually, I'm, I'm not really heard of that being used before. Uh, yeah, essentially, outside of MedEd, but definitely not in MedEd itself. Yeah, I mean, I searched around to see if I had any examples of what I could um, see, but I, I generally couldn't find any for any type of MedEd course uh, at all. So mm-hmm. the first one around was last was last month, and we had five trainees all sitting at home comfortably in, in their, their living rooms from different parts of the UK mm-hmm. and we ran a five hour course um, and ran through I think 10 to 12 live role plays with, with live feedback so it worked really well and we've got a couple line up this month as well and it's not for everybody but it's um, it's something for those people who don't have the time to come and spend a whole day or travel mm-hmm. um, with childcare etc um, so we try and run it uh, specifically for that audience. Yeah, I think you said that's clearly one of its benefits. Is you know, part of the challenge often with um, you know courses that you know we as GPC is 
um, you know, A, getting the time, B, you know, being away from practice in order to, to attend or, or, you know, dedicate that headspace to actually, you know, engage with it and stuff. And if delivered, you know, at a time that's convenient, you know, out of hours in a sense, you know, that can be useful. But actually it sounds like, you know, this is potentially something that you can run, you know, even in hours in terms of, you know, short, sharp courses and um, you can definitely see the applications for it. Let's put it that way. Absolutely, and I think the possibilities of as with most things online and digitally is, is endless. It's just thinking outside the box and trying trying things that may not work, but I suppose until you try, you, you never know what might benefit people and what might not. Okay, so if, if some of our listeners were, were interested in, in you know getting involved in terms of what you're up to and, and you know how you deliver this education, where would you recommend that they look? Um, so we have a, a number of ways, places you can find us, I suppose. Um, social media is going to be the easiest way. So we have um, our Facebook education groups. We're on Twitter. We have a YouTube channel. We have our Instagram feed. We obviously have our website, royalmedicaleducation.co.uk, and uh, all of our links to social media are on there. Um, so that's probably the, the, the simplest way to, to catch us and kind of find what, what sort of things we do. And we're always looking for, um, for new talent and people who are into medical education and who want to get involved in, in teaching both formally and in a digital sense. So more than happy people get in touch with ideas or if they want to get involved. Okay. Obviously, GP training is changing. I mean, the, the new contract is in particular one of the biggest changes to, to the way that the GP training course runs at the moment. I mean, as an educator, what are your views on it and, and where do you see the you know the new elements and the challenges with it? So GP training, you say, is, is changing. One of my other roles is a, is a uh, VHS program director and um, it's interesting because I see sort of or seen two sides of, of, of education. I've seen the, the traditional um, sort of form of education that trains have to go through to come out the other end and then also I've seen the, the other side where we went as a, um, a private venture. Um, and one thing that's always fascinating me is how we can bring the two sides closer together. So when I'm educating through our own brand or med ed, we can obviously make decisions very quickly and push through um, new trials. If we think of something, we can try it the next day. Um, but one thing, you, I suppose, in any organization, if you're trying to bring new changes in, then they obviously have to be looked at uh, in a certain way and, mm-hmm. and check that things will work, and you need to get go ahead and green lights to try things. So, and one of the things that I find interesting is um, the way that traditional GP training will go forward, because people obviously are getting more tech savvy, and people are learning through digital ways and tech ways, and it's whether um, we can use the formal education system um, and try and keep up with the way that trends of education are going. It's something that I think is going to be fascinating to see how it develops over the next few years. Okay. And so for our listeners that, that are out there that are wanting to kind of use technology a little bit more in terms of the way that they learn and how they learn, both I guess as a delivery and as a, and actually as a user um, of this kind of information and stuff, have you got any top tips that you would recommend to them to you know dip their toe into where they need to go and that kind of thing? I think... Um, I mean, social media is, is one of the easiest ways of getting into traditional education, both as a, as a provider and as, a, uh, as an end user. I think um, one thing you'll, we tend to see nowadays um, are a lot more VTS and a lot more educators um, setting up little education groups within social media, whether it's um, mm-hmm. uh, Facebook groups or um, whether VTS is a developer on Twitter feeds, and, and obviously trying to get trainees to engage that way. Um, email is still the most common way of, of connecting um, throughout um, BTS groups, but obviously now there's a lot more emphasis on trying to use social media in some BTSs, which I think is, which is great because um, email is nice and, and uh, as you know, saying we get 
you know, hundreds of emails a day sometimes and you know, at times trips to them all. Whereas if you have chosen to join a particular Facebook group that's dedicated to your BTS, for example, then information can, can get around quite quickly and, and often much quicker than email. So um, I think it, it's been taken up a lot of people and, and it's been to see lots of these um, BTS groups and, and GP education groups um, springing up because I think that's the that's one of the, the key ways that engagements can happen in the future. Thank you for that, Amin. It's been it's been really good to talk to you, and I know and I hope our, our listeners have enjoyed it as well. Um, I, I just wanted to ask. I mean, was there any parting words that you wanted to give us as we sign off? Oh no, I just I just think I thank you once again to say and and you for, for giving me this opportunity to have a chat about like said, something I'm very passionate about. I think it's a um, a world that's changing very quickly, and I'm lucky to be um, part of this world. And, and you know, education is something that. Um, in many different ways and for many different people and, and I want to just keep trying to find new ways and keep pushing the boat. Okay. Well, thank you for that. We hope our listeners have enjoyed our show with Dr. Amin Aurora of Aurora Med. Listen out for our next eGP Learning Podcast where we will be exploring more health apps for use by primary care and covering the latest health tech news. So from me, Dr. Zain Gandhi and Dr. Amin Aurora, keep eGP learning and... See you later. Thanks, Zain. Bye. So thanks, Gandhi, for that very interesting interview with Aman Aurora. I remember Aman from my VTS days in Birmingham. We were both on the City and Samwell scheme together. So uh, thanks, Aman, for the interview. Uh, have hopefully catch up with you soon. Um, next time on the next episode of EGP Learning Podcast, we'll be reviewing uh, two interesting apps. There's Cupris, which is an ENT app uh, allowing you to use your mobile phone as an otoscope, and Moodpath, which is an app designed to make the diagnosis of depression easier. There's also a really interesting story um, about something that went wrong with an ele- with the electronic prescription service here in Nottingham that's um, that's caused a little bit of local controversy. So we'll be piecing that apart. So hopefully we will catch you on the next exciting episode of EGP Learning Podcast. In the meantime, feel free to interact with us on social media. Uh, Gandhi can be found at Dr Gandalf fifty two, and I'm at. Dr. A.W. Foster. Um, Also, uh, catch up with all the old episodes of EGP EGP Learning Podcast on the EGP Learning website.